Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. For message notes and links to big things going on at Hope, check out the notes section below. When you're done listening to this episode, take a minute to follow us here, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and download our free app. From there, you can find all of our recent message content, additional resources, and more. If you like what you hear today, we encourage you to share this with your friends or family. Enjoy. Hope, how are we doing this morning? Right? All right, all right. Man, what a time of worship. Tommy was going. I was like, man, I don't even need to come out here. We got to just let him handle everything. Uh, man, great time of worship with you guys. Uh, so hello to us at the Raleigh campus, Apex campus, Morrisville, uh, my people down at the Garner campus. Maybe you're watching at home, one of our at-home groups over in Fuquay, or just driving down Highway 40, listening to this on a podcast. So glad to get some time with you and to connect. Uh, my hope in our time together is that you would know that you're loved because you are, and that you would uh, find a little bit more encouragement and strength uh, than when you found, when you, than you had when we got started. I know it's a crazy world out there, and we just want to bring you uh, a little bit of hope. My name is Jason Gore. I do have the humble privilege of serving this crazy group of people called Hope Community Church as a, as a lead pastor. And uh, I actually don't get up here and teach all that regularly. Uh, there's a few reasons for that. Uh, one, we have an incredible teaching team. I mean, we got our teaching pastor, Chase Gardner. You guys hear from Aaron Nelson, uh, Dwayne, your campus pastor here, all the campus pastors, Clay, and we bring in some of our friends from around the country uh, from time to time. So we got a great group of folks. In fact, can we just let them know how much we appreciate them? So great team that we are continuing to build. And then secondly, this is just a big church and there is a lot going on. And we just want to be careful, man, it, um, not to put too much on any one person to be responsible for leading uh, everything that's going on here at Hope. And then to get up in front of thousands of people every single week, there's just amount of pressure that can come with that and some other things that can sneak in. We just don't think it's healthy for any one person to carry that. And then on top of that, we actually don't think it's good for the church or the community to associate like the church with one person unless it's the person of Jesus. And so we're just really careful about that. And uh, so that being said, my role and primary responsibility around here is making sure that we are like laser focused on our vision, making sure that the right people are in the right places, getting the right things done so that we can accomplish the mission and vision that God has for us. Amen. That God has for us as a church. And it is a privilege to do that uh, job. Having said that, Every now and then, God puts something on my heart, whether it's related to vision or something like this, like a sermon series, where I just gotta, gotta, I just need to get up and talk about some things. And so I'm gonna be kicking off this series, Made for More, and then wrapping it up uh, in about six weeks. And so this series, it's been in the works for about six months, but really for about two and a half years. Uh, it started back when, um, you guys remember this cuss word that we try not to say around here, 2020? You guys, you guys remember that? Uh, so in January of 2020, I came home from work and my son came up to me and said, Dad, uh, would you like to go for a job? I said, sure, sounds great. So I went to my bedroom, put on a sweatshirt, and I remember right where I was in my room, I was coming around about to walk out the door. I realized like I had this tension in my chest. I was like, wait a minute, I think it's hard to breathe. And I'm, that's not normal for me. Like, I'm in pretty good shape. So I called my wife to come back to the bedroom. She says, well, your chest doesn't hurt, does it? I said, no, of course my chest is, no, my chest hurts. <laughs> my chest is hurting. And so I lay down on the bed, and um, it was definitely a, 
an interesting night to say the least. Went to the doctor the next day, had an EKG, turns out it wasn't a heart attack. But he said, listen, why don't we send you to a cardiologist just to get everything checked out? So I go to a cardiologist. He puts in for a stress test. Uh, if you don't know what this stuff is, it happens when you get a little bit older. Uh, so I had to... Uh, so I did a stress test, and then the cardiologist tells me, he says, hey, good news, uh, everything looks great. Which I said, well, bad news for you, your test is broken because something is going on here uh, in my chest. I can feel this tightness. So he said, well, why don't you come back? We'll reschedule, we'll get you an ultrasound. And so I come back, and they do an ultrasound on my heart. And it says, hey, great news, just like we told you, uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong, everything looks great. Which I said, this is actually terrible news for you. You've got like two pieces of equipment that don't work. Um, I, <laughs> we got to figure this out. And so he said, okay, here's what we'll do. Let's, let's just go all in here. So I ended up getting my body injected with dye and I had a CAT scan and they checked out like every ventricle, every part of my heart. And he says, Jason, I need you to listen to me. Your heart looks just as healthy as we would have assumed it was when we first met you. And so what we think you need to do is be willing to address some stressors and some anxieties that you might be carrying around in your life. And I looked at the doctor and I thought, how in the world do you think you know what's going on in my life? But he was right. <laughs> and uh, over the last two to three years, I have learned some things to, to evaluate some things going on in my life and to deal with some things in some healthy ways. But as over the last two to three years, as I've interacted with other people as pastors, what I've, as a pastor, what I've realized is, is most men and women and students right now are walking around uh, in life, not experiencing life the way that God intended because that's not an abundant life. And, and I'm troubled by this as a pastor, specifically as your pastor, because when I hear what Jesus says, like I believe what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, when he said, I came that they, meaning you, we would have life and have it abundantly. But I think if we're honest, like most of us would say what we're experiencing in our lives right now is not abundance. And some of you are like, no, no, it's abundantly something. We just can't say it in church. That's, um, I don't wanna say that word. That's not what Jesus meant. I mean, when he was talking about an abundant life, uh, he was talking about things like hope and peace and joy. And most of us are like carrying around wheelbarrow loads, dump truck loads uh, of anxiety, of fear, of shame, of divisiveness. And, and as a pastor, and really just as like a brother, as a friend, like I don't want that for us as a people. And it's not what God has for us. And so what this series is, this series is us just taking head on together the truth that we are experiencing life right now in a way that is less than what God intended. And I don't mean like just a little bit less. I mean like life-changing, paradigm-shifting, completely different. And so what we decided to do in this series is we're going to break down into a micro level the different areas where this takes the largest tolls on us in our lives. And then we're just going to open God's word and see what it says about it. And uh, so we're going to look at things like how our past impacts our lives. Um, areas like our marriages. Man, I'm telling you, culture will tell us things about our marriage and we're completely missing the mark. Our roles as parents. Uh, our finances, what we give our lives to. And last week, we're going to wrap up this series on the excuses that actually sneak into our hearts and to our minds that tell us that we're disqualified from experiencing the life that God has for us. And I'm telling you right now, whatever you believe you are limited by in those areas of your life, you were made for more. And that's what this series is all about. And so, uh, but before we jump into all those areas, here's what I know about a lot of us. Um, it's highly likely that you probably don't believe that a life of abundance really is possible, okay? Uh, and here's what I mean by that. A lot of you are probably tempted to think, 
Yeah, maybe a life of abundance for some people, like maybe for the spiritual elite, for pastors, for people that have gone to church their whole life. But for me, I'm kind of just lucky to get by, like I'm surviving. Maybe you think, yeah, but Jay, abundant life, yeah, but you don't really know about my past. Like you don't know all the things that I've done. Uh, You don't know all the things that have been done to me. And as a result, you're going to be tempted to actually disqualify yourself before we even uh, jump into this series. And here's how I know that's true. In John chapter 10, verse 10, just before Jesus talks about this abundant life, he said, but he says, there is a thief that comes to steal, to kill and destroy. And so I came that you'd have life abundantly, but there's gonna be things in your life that are gonna try to to steal your purpose, to destroy your opportunity to have the life that actually I died so that you could experience. And one of the greatest hurdles that any of us are gonna have to deal with is when our enemy reminds us of everything in our life that we've done wrong, everything in our life that we haven't done and then everything in our life that has been done to us to disqualify us again from the life of more that God has for us. Uh, would go out on a limb here. Uh, any fans of the show Stranger Things? Anybody? I know we're in church and season four was dark. No one's going to judge you here. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. If you're going to judge me for this, I got a whole nother list, like notes. You got to um, we didn't let our kids watch it, okay? Go easy on me. Season four was dark. I'm a big fan. Uh, the antagonist in season four, the enemy, the evil one, is this guy by the name of Vecna. I know, I sound like a nerd. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> what Vecna does, though, is he gets into the hearts and minds of these students, and he holds in front of them the shame and the guilt that they're carrying from different things that they've been a part of in their life. And, if he, can get, and he actually gets them to a place to where they might believe that the world would be better off without them here. And if he can do that, that's what he uses to actually take their life. As I watched this, I actually thought, goodness gracious, this is what's going on in the world around us right now. And we are being robbed of our opportunities to actually experience life the way that God intended. Because here's what I know about you. And here's what I know about me. If you have a yesterday, you have a past. Every single one of us are in the same place. And our enemy knows that and he will use it against us to rob us of the life that we have. And so we've got to recognize that we're made for more uh, than our past. So we're gonna jump into this. Believe it or not, this is incredibly uh, common in psychology. Like this is one of the first places that psychologists will go if you're kind of wrestling through stuff. Uh, even the apostle Paul knew that he needed to address it in one of his churches, one of his favorite churches in a place called Ephesus. And so we're gonna look at that. We're actually gonna be in the book of Ephesians a lot during this series. So if you're just sitting around your house, wanna read your Bible, plow through the book of Ephesians. So go ahead and turn there. I also should tell you, we have an app. It's called the Get Hope app. You can download it in any app store. It'll let you find out things that are going on around hope. Uh, The message outline is there, so it's easy to follow. You can take notes. Uh, You can even email them to yourself later. So that's there. Or if you don't want to do that and you just want to sit here, we're going to put the verses on the side screens all the same. So Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians was written uh, by the Apostle Paul, who we credit for writing the majority of the New Testament. If you were here last week, you heard our good friend Ben Foote give a phenomenal introduction to the Apostle Paul. Uh, I think in one of the services he described him as a stallion of the faith. And so as an aside, um, if I pass away and move on to glory before any of you and you're at my funeral, if you stand up to say anything and you could just work in that I was a stallion in any area, uh, I would greatly appreciate it. I'd love for my kids to hear that. Uh, so if you missed Ben's message, though, you got to go back and listen, not just because of his uh, introduction to Paul, though that was good. It just is a game changer of a message. So you need to go back and listen to that. 
Uh, but Ephesus, Ephesus is on the western shore. It was on the western shore of what is modern-day Turkey. And you, you need to know, uh, Ephesus was actually a really good church, uh, unlike some of the churches that Paul wrote to, and he knew that. And so you see that in verse 15 in chapter 1, right out of the gate. Paul says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, listen to this, and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers. And uh, I want to pause for a minute and just say this. Probably 30 out of 31 nights a month, um, myself and my, uh, three incre- my two incredible kids and my third, and my wife, just, she's incredible, I'm kidding, that, they listen to this, so I just want to make sure they have something to talk about uh, and guess. But we sit down and we pray just about every single night. We don't get everything right in our lives, in our family, I promise, but this is one thing we've been able to stay committed to. And we sit down and pray just about every night. And just about every time, I find myself thanking God for the people of Hope Community Church. Uh, the way you guys love God, the way you love one another, the way you love people out in our community, whether they love Jesus or not, is just a humbling thing to be a part of. And so I so resonate with what Paul is saying. But when you continue to read, you realize while they are a great church and he has such a great affection for them, there's still something that he wants for them and he knows that they're not experiencing and he wants it for them. So he goes forward in verse 18. He says, I pray that the, eye, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, And what is the boundless greatness of his power? Anybody could use a little bit more hope and power in their lives right now. His power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. So Paul's saying out of the gate two things. I want you to experience the hope and the power that you have available to you. It's not just enough to love God and to love people and survive. Like there is a hope and a power that you can have available to you in your life. The second thing you need to remember is it is through his might that it's possible. It's not based on anything that you can do or anything that you've done. And that's incredibly important because we know our past. We know what we're really capable of. And so he wants to remind us. And remember, he's saying this to Christians. Like people, us, I know there's people in here that aren't Christians, but a large room like this, like people that are supposed to know that the abundant life is possible, but maybe they're not living like they believe it. Or maybe that they're so busy and so distracted by what's going on in the world around us that we've kind of forgotten. And so he's just setting them up. Like, I just want you to be ready. And so one other thing before we jump into chapter two, you should know about Paul. You know how doctors, a lot of times they can have like this really great bedside manner. And so if they're going to deliver some bad news to you, they're going to kind of start talking a little more softly. Maybe they sit down. They make sure you're ready to hear the news. Okay, so that's not Paul, all right? And so he's completely the opposite of that. And so he just comes out swinging sometimes. And uh, I just want to make sure you're prepared for that. So chapter 2, verse 1, remember, he wants us, he wants the church to experience this life of more. So he comes out saying, you were dead in your offenses and sins. Nice little general reminder right out of the gate. How to win friends and influence people by Apostle Paul. Um, But notice how he begins. He says, you were dead. He knows that we've got to address our past. And so Paul knows that for us to find hope in the present or in the future, we've got to start out by addressing our past. And in our past, he's saying, you were dead. And so I just want to pause there for a minute. And I want to ask you a question. Um, Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that place where you just feel empty? And I know some of you are like, man, I've been following Jesus for like 20 years and I'm feeling pretty good. Well, whoop-de-doo for you. Okay, that's great. 
Uh, do me a favor, just remember back 20 years when you knew that you needed a savior and when you first knew that you were broken. Because we're all going to need to get to that place to, to really grab a hold of what Paul has for us here. And then for the rest of us, <laughs> they kind of found ourselves walking in here today by the skin of our teeth. Or maybe you're listening to this on a podcast and someone sent it to you because they know you needed it. We've all been there. And it's a place that we've got to actually recognize is normal for people to find themselves there. And so Paul wants to go there right away. He says, you were dead in your offenses and sins in which you previously walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working and the sons of disobedience. So Paul's saying a couple things. Uh, one, you've got it already. He said, you are dead. Understand, he's not talking about a physical death. Like he was writing this letter to people that were physically alive. Uh, he's talking about a spiritual death that happens uh, as a result of our sin, our spiritual separation from God as a result of our sins. And I'm gonna unpack that uh, here in just a couple minutes. But secondly, he says, you walked in the way of this world. And here comes the enemy here. According to the prince of the power of of the air. So important to recognize that there's an enemy. So whether you know it or not, he, the devil, um, he's the one that creates all this chaos in the life around us. He's the one that orchestrates all the madness that distracts us from, from experiencing the life that God has for us. He's the one who's responsible. I mean, everything negative, you name it, like social media, Facebook, cancel culture, and White Claw. Like all four of them have to do, you White Claw fans in here? Really? I'll say this. I know we give social media a bad rap around here at Hope, and I've, we got to be careful about that. I actually, unlike Chase, I do have a smartphone, and uh, I do use social media. My hope is that it encourages um, other people. Uh, we actually have at all of our campuses during the series these photo booths set up uh, that say made for more, and you can kind of hold up a sign, take a picture, throw it on Instagram, tag us, let other people know that God's working in your life. Social media is not terrible. Uh, cancel culture and white claw from the pit of hell. Um, I actually had a staff member text me after the last message and said something like, um, there ain't no law when you got the claw. And um, so I had to fire him, um, which is <laughs> terrible timing. But, um, but Paul is saying, like, he's putting everybody to go back to my notes. Paul is saying, listen, we, this, he uses this gentle word, the sons of disobedience, and it leads to a spiritual separation from God. Now, so if there's a, if you were one of the ones that came in here and thought abundant life may be great, but man, if my past has anything to do with it, something tells me it might be difficult for me to experience that. And if that is you, there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is uh, you're absolutely correct. That, that's the good news that you're correct. The bad news is it did and does lead to spiritual death and a separation from God that there's absolutely nothing that you can do about on your own. Merry Christmas. Um, it does get better, but it seems to get worse first. Because right now we're talking about them, right? Like the sons of disobedience, like other people. Verse three, he says, among them, the sons of disobedience, we too all previously lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the rest. Paul's actually saying here, there's not one of us who's not in this boat. There's not one preacher, there's not one pastor, there's not one pope, there's not one worship leader 
that doesn't have a past. Remember what I said? If you have a yesterday, you have a past. That's real, and he wants us to know. And so Paul's reminding us, or maybe he's telling you for the first time, and I want to recognize that might be a possibility here, but you might find be finding out for the first time, there is something at our core that is subjecting us to separation from God. And therefore, as a result of that, a separation from this abundant made for more life that Jesus says that we can experience. And that something is our disobedience. It's something that the Bible calls sin. And every single one of us has the same problem. And there's something inside of us, though, that tells us, man, it just doesn't seem like that's the way it's supposed to be. Like, there, it does seem like there's supposed to be more. And that's because there's something in our souls, whether you know it or not, that remembers the way that it used to be. Uh, to explain this, you got to go all the way back to Genesis. Uh, and it starts out, it says that in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve, man and woman. And they had this perfect relationship with God and this perfect relationship with one another. And quite honestly, I don't know which one was the bigger miracle. Um, you'll get that later, like man and woman having a perfect relationship. It's just, marriage is tough sometimes. It's in two weeks, we'll, do, we'll cover that and made for more. But um, they experience together what the Bible calls shalom. And this is this Jewish word that, that means like perfect peace inside and out. And everything was theirs to enjoy except for one thing. And what it was uh, is not really all that important, but it's what it represents, which is perfect trust in their relationship with God. And what happened was the enemy shows up on the scene, the prince of the power of the air shows up on the scene and lies to them and gets them to believe that maybe they know what's better for themselves more than what God says. And I would take this minute just to argue that I think that is running absolutely rampant in our culture right now. Just so many people re just really believe. Maybe, maybe we just know better than what God's word says. But as a result, they take an action which leads to a spiritual separation and a spiritual death for the first time ever. And what Paul is saying is every single one of us are a part of that problem. And so while we're talking about Adam and Eve right now, like this problem is not just a problem, it's a result of something they did thousands of years ago. Um, th this should be heavy on us a bit, but this actually is, has a, is a problem because of some things that we did last week. Like this is a problem because of some things that some of us probably did last night. And maybe you're listening to this right now, and it could be a result of something that's been a part of your life for the last 20 years, and nobody else on the planet knows about it. I've heard this twice in the last six months. Maybe it's a result of something that someone did to you 30 years ago, and you've never brought that to the light so that Jesus can have an opportunity to bring healing to it. Um, as a result of those things, we're experiencing life at a fraction of what's really possible. And for us to actually be able to move on to what's on the other side, we have to recognize uh, the impact that our past plays on our lives. I want you to watch this video from a good friend of mine, Preston McLaren. I went forward um, at a Billy Graham crusade in 72 at Carter Finley Stadium in Raleigh, North Carolina. My mom probably dragged me down there with my brother, basically, and um, we became uh, Christians, born again Christians, as that, that's what they told us we were. And going into my teenage years, I wasn't really into Bible studies or God or anything like that. So I spent really, I'm just gonna fast forward, I kind of spent uh, from 12 to about 45 years thinking that I was a, a Christ follower. That time frame up to 45, I was just chasing everything I could to be uh, 
significant, uh, to be loved. Uh, there was a void. I didn't even, uh, now as I look back, I didn't even realize there was a void. I didn't really realize the lies that I was, that I was actually believing. Lori and I were struggling uh, financially. Uh, we were struggling emotionally. We were struggling in just about every area. On the outside, man, we looked good. We had the five great kids on the license plate. We had, we were going to a great church. We were involved in ministry, uh, but I was miserable. I literally was miserable. I spent a lot of time walking in the woods, talking to God, really just screaming at God because things weren't working out the way I wanted them to work out. I was experiencing uh, a lot of depression, um, extreme highs, extreme lows, uh, a lot of confusion uh, because I wasn't sure how to. I didn't know how to navigate life. I was a father, uh, a husband, and uh, the feelings of failure were just overwhelming. The depression was uh, pretty heavy. In fact, it got to the point where my wife really insisted that I see some counseling. And, and uh, at that time, I was I was all in. I just wanted I wanted to feel better. I wanted to feel. Uh, I just wanted to I wanted to be healthier. And I knew something wasn't right. What had I done to get to this place? really starting to lose hope, which was I was starting to scare me then, because that's when I... Sorry. I, uh, you know, started losing hope. And then uh, the thought of, you know, just, uh, the thought of just giving up started to become a really good idea. I was starting to buy into that lie that that would be a solution to the problem. And, uh, and I, so I had, I basically had to make a choice. And uh, what happened was I got to the point where I had really decided, hey, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make a choice. I wasn't totally sure what that choice was. So I drove out to Lake Jordan, um, August 8, 2008. In my demanding, manipulative way, I went out there to make sure the creator of the universe knew that I was hurting and he better show up. Because if he didn't, I had no problem telling everybody that he was not who he says he was. And I really think that's the day that uh, the old Preston actually died. Because I, I really went out there looking for answers. See, our past can wreck us. But what if there was a way to overcome our past? I mean, a really way, a really a way just to move to the other side, to leave it behind us. And here's what I want you to know. That's the direction that we're headed right now because God, in his grace and in his mercy, he made a way for us to be spiritually reborn and to have new life. And as a result of that, the church, and therefore this church, Hope Community Church, always has been and always will be a place for broken people. This is a place for men and women with stories just like Preston. Uh, this is a place where it is okay to not be okay. To say, man, I've got struggles in my life and I don't know where to turn. This is the place that you're supposed to be. We're not talking about this stuff because we want to shame anybody, guilt anybody, certainly not cancel anybody. But because sometimes we just got to recognize and say out loud, man, life is hard and I'm beat up. 
But we also need to know oftentimes it has to do with things that are a part of our past. But God dealt with it. And we're going to talk about what that looks like. But before we do, I've I've said, but God, a couple times. <laughs> and so remembering we said at the beginning, this actually has nothing to do with us. And so I want this just to be a, a thing that we can remember the next time our enemy tries to remind us of our past. So I want all of you to repeat after me. I want you to say, but God. Okay, so everyone across all of our campuses, or if you're driving down I-40, I want you to say this as loud as you can, unless like your kids are sleeping in the car. Repeat after me. Say, but God. But God. Ephesians chapter to verse 4. All that is true that we were dead in our transgressions as a result of our disobedience. Verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Paul's telling us that even though it's true that we've suffered this spiritual death and this separation from God, God is so incredibly rich in mercy and he loves us so much, he dealt with it. He found a way for us to have our past overcome. And here's what he's talking about. You remember I told you that our sin separates us from God and it leads us to this spiritual death? Well, the Bible also says that for the forgiveness of sins, to bridge that gap, that there has to be shedding of blood. And I know for some of you that probably brings up all kinds of questions. But what that means is essentially there is a cost with disobeying an all-powerful and a holy God. And that cost is death. Essentially what the Bible says is the, the, the consequences of not living as God created us to live is for something to not live anymore. And that's really the shortest explanation I can give you for all of the Old Testament sacrifices that you read in the Bible. And so for those of us that have a past that plague us, which I would argue if you have a yesterday, you have a past. But if, you, if you're willing to say, like, I know in my life there's a lot of stuff that I've done that I'm not proud of, which I'm in that boat. And if you would say, there's been a lot of stuff that have happened to me in my life that, is, that has happened to me and it hurts and I'm in that boat, then we can find peace and hope to know that some 2,000 years ago, Jesus, the Son of God, was willing to step out of heaven and to be born a baby and to walk on this earth for 33 years and at the, just the right time. And even though he knew it was going to be the most painful thing he'd ever experienced physically, mentally, emotionally, even spiritually, if you want to get right into what happened theologically, at just the right time, he was beaten, he was bloodied, and he hung up on a cross as a penalty for my sins and for your sins, essentially for our past. And he went down into a tomb and three days later, he rose again, overcoming sin and death once and for all by the power of his might. And now he offers us a new life through his death as a free gift to us, as a means to have our past overcome. What do you mean as a free gift? Paul goes on in verse eight. He says, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's by grace you've been saved. Do you know what grace is? Uh, it's an unmerited favor or um, an undeserved gift. So if you got pulled over by a police officer and uh, he said, you know what, I'm, you were speeding, but I'm not going to give you a ticket, just have a great day. That's not really grace. That's like forgiveness or mercy. Um, Grace would be if the police officer said, hey, listen, I'm not going to give you a ticket for speeding, 
But what I am going to give you are football season tickets to the pride of the triangle, the pride of North Carolina, your NC State Wolfpack. Go Pack. I know it's not supposed to be a divisive message and everybody that wears blue is upset right now. I'm sorry. Um, Listen, what Paul is saying is God who is rich in mercy, he's done everything possible for you to have a restored relationship with him and to be spiritually reborn and come back to life. Okay, but you do have to believe. You do have to have faith. Remember uh, Dwayne a few weeks ago in the series, This Verse Changed My Life, he walked through John 3, 16, uh, where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish, but would have this everlasting, abundant, made for more life. Listen, I want to talk uh, to some people directly here um, as we get ready to close out. Some of us came in here carrying some things that are heavy. And um, some of them are a result of things that we've done. And um, some of them are a result of things that have been done to us. And I know we didn't talk a lot about that. um, But I do want to encourage you to, if if you'd be willing to let those things come to the light, that Jesus can bring those healing, can bring healing to those things as well. There's a few things that he's working on in my life right now. But I want to talk uh, to a few people very directly. I want to talk to the young lady who um, maybe had an abortion in her teens or in her early 20s. I want to talk to, um, to the man that has an addiction and has had it for so long that he can't really remember life without it. And these are people that I know, by the way. Like, these are people that call Hope Community Church home. Um, I want to talk to the student, to the middle school or high school student that has gone and is continuing to go too far in their relationship with their significant other. And you know you're not honoring God in your relationship. To that young lady who's struggling with her sexual identity. Um, I want to talk to, um, I want to talk to the parents. And like in today's world, I could just stop right there. Because it is so hard to raise kids in today's world with everything that's going on and everything so confusing and Man, just the lies that are thrown their direction. But I also know there's a lot of parents this time of year that for the first time, like just sent kids off to college. And instead of falling asleep at night, you're laying in bed and the script is just going through your head of all the times that you know you just blew it. And you're wondering, man, did I do enough? And I don't know what your story is. You know, I could go through a Rolodex, right? But I want you to look at me. God sees you. God loves you. He he doesn't wish wrath on you. The Bible is so clear that what Jesus has done has made it possible for our sins to be removed as far from us as the east is from the west. And God desires to step into that, to believe that, and to live like we believe it and live this made for more abundant life. I started out by saying, I've said it a couple times, if you have a yesterday, you have a past. 
But this is also true. If you have a relationship, if you have a Lord and a Savior in Jesus, you're not defined by it. Let's listen to how Preston's story wraps up. The beautiful thing that happened that day was I, uh, I, went, I went out there with a list of things that he needed to do. Nothing that I was gonna do for him, just things that he needed to do for me. I basically confessed my everything in my life to him. And I said, and then towards the end of it, I just told him, I said, I need a new heart. And I said, Lord, I, I really need you to teach me how to love you. I, I don't know what that means. I've been telling people for years I love Jesus. I said, Lord, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't know Jesus if he walked up and bit me right now. And as I started to talk to him more on that level, I, I really started, I felt this tremendous hope and uh, love start to overtake. And I really believed at that point, he took that old heart of mine and buried it and put a new one in there and said, and they said, all right, now I got this new heart. I'm walking around this lake and I'm like, okay. I'll, I said, I think I can do this love thing. I, I'm feeling it, you know? And I could, I could literally feel him say, that's good. We're on the same page now. What I realized that day was, uh, <clears throat> there was so much in my past. I spent 46 years away from God. I was bombarded by shame and guilt and fear and regret was just huge. But I just chose to focus on the future with him and I uh, found just tremendous contentment and joy in that. I, uh, every time it would raise it, the past would raise its head, I just said, hey, I'm on God's team now. I'm not going to deal with it anymore. I think if there was one thing I gleaned from that day uh, at Lake Jordan was that uh, my past uh, no longer defined Preston McLaurin. And um, my future with God was just are going to be an amazing future. And it had nothing to do with what I'd done in the past. That's when I felt freedom. Because I was now free from that past. You got to understand, I, I, I had showed up to the lake almost dead. So this, this feeling, I, I was like a new, I had so much more energy. I was just alive. I've really, for the first time, I felt alive. And um, the weight of sin, it was like gone. It was like just gone. Everything that I'd done in the past that I thought was so terrible was just lifted off me. Just, and that's where, you know, freedom, that just that, whew, man, I'm free in Christ. This is what that really feels like. Can we celebrate that story? I think uh, the church in general would benefit from some men, women, and students being a little bit more honest about their journey and the stuff that they struggle with and the miracle that God can do uh, in our lives. Listen, regardless of your past, God, who is rich in mercy, made a way to overcome that. And if you have never began a relationship with Jesus, um, I'm going to invite you into that uh, in a moment. But before, uh, I, I want to close with just this, finish out this section of scripture that we started. Verse 10, Paul says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. This whole series, it's not just about things that we've been saved from, but it's actually what we're saved into. 
And so we're going to be covering some things over the next five weeks. And I'm telling you, if you will stay leaned in, it will change your life. Next week, you're going to hear from Chase, uh, our teaching pastor, and then from Heather Sullivan, our family ministry director. And they're going to be talking about what made for more parenting looks like. And I'm telling you, it's going to change your paradigm on parenting. Whether you have kids at home or don't have any kids, I need you to be here. You need to be here because you're going to learn about what we are actually called into as the church when it comes to equipping and reaching and loving the next generation. I want you to be here for the next five weeks. Let's do this as we close. I'm going to have everybody stand. There's just something about a moment when you stand up, you kind of hit reset. We're going to sing a song together in a moment. Um, But before we do that, I want to go back to where I opened and you heard Paul's heart for the church there at Ephesus and his care for them. And I want you to hear me say, I love you. Um, This is not just a sermon series, just to have some busyness on our calendar as a church. And more importantly than me, I want you to know God loves you. And he has a desire for you to experience the abundant life that Jesus set in motion. And so if you have never started a relationship with Jesus and accepted the grace that's offered to you, I I am pleading with you to make that decision. And in just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And you can pray with me from right where you're standing or wherever you're driving, if you're listening or watching online. And if you have already made that decision, um, I want to call you into living your life like you believe it. I want you to live your life like you believe there's this abundant life available to you. And I know there's going to be stuff that we're tempted to not believe, but I want you to remind yourself, but God who is rich in mercy and he loves us so much that he gave us new life when he raised Jesus from the dead. And that also has already happened in the past and is true today. John chapter 8, is verse 36. He says, who the Son sets free, he is free indeed. Jesus has done everything possible for you to be free from your past. And that's a life of more. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for an opportunity uh, to be face to face with the reality that our past does cost us something. And God, just for us to recognize in this moment it led to a spiritual separation and a spiritual death. But Lord, we thank you for the good news and for your grace and for your mercy of what's available to us through Jesus. And so if there's anybody in this place right now whose heart just feels like it's about to pound out of their chest because they know that you did that for them and they want to have this restored relationship and to be free from the past, I pray that they would just pray along with me. Father, I know I'm broken. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done things that I haven't, that that I shouldn't have done. But I recognize that Jesus willingly paid the price and he went to a cross and he paid the penalty that I deserve to pay. And then he went into a tomb and he rose again three days later, once again overcoming sin and death, once and for all. Lord, for the person that prayed that prayer, I pray that they right now would have a peace that they've never felt in their entire life, that you would surround them with people to help walk alongside of them in this new life with you. And Father, for the rest that are hearing this that have made that decision before, Lord, I pray that we would remember who you are and what you've done for us and the life that you call us into, that we would not settle for mediocrity or anything other than the abundant life that Jesus has for us. Would we be a church that takes that abundant life out into the world and lifts it up and calls the rest of the world into it. Lord, we love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name and everyone said together, amen. Amen. Let's celebrate together.
Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.